we have this ability to overestimate a threat, right? And then we underestimate our ability to cope with it. And that's how anxiety kind of brews. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. Okay, so today we have Dr. Kayla on today's episode of Find Your Voice. Now, Dr. Kayla is a licensed mental health counselor. She's also the person behind Pillar Mind and Behavior, which offers counseling services that is used as evidence-based treatments to address emotional distress, behavioral concerns, and psychological diagnoses that are interfering with most of our day-to-day living. And alongside that, she is just somebody who's out there just trying to help the world as much as possible in terms of mental health. So Dr. Kayla, thank you so much for coming on today's show. How are you doing today? Hey, Erin. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm such a pleasure. You're very, very welcome. I'm very, very grateful actually to have you on here. And I was just doing that introduction and I can't believe how many long words there are. That was almost kind of struggling (laughs) to get those out. So you did great. <laughs> I think I might have to edit that a little bit, but yeah, thank you. So one of the things that I thought we'd do for this episode, and I just briefly touched on this with yourself, was that we'll try and do this a little bit different. So for anyone listening, you're not necessarily going to get a story about Dr. Kayla's life, but what we are going to get is some tangible, hopefully good, useful takeaways that many of us who are going through uncertain times or struggling with anxiety can actually use on a daily basis. And that's something that I think will serve you a lot more value, especially during the times that we're all going through now. So that's going to be where we're going to navigate this episode. So it will be slightly different, but then obviously the end of the show will be something that you're familiar with. But before we start that, as many of the listeners know, and I'm sure Dr. Kayla knows, is I'm always fascinated by understanding why people do what they do. What makes somebody become, for example, a licensed mental health counsellor? So Kayla, if you wouldn't mind, if you could just give the listeners a very brief introduction about yourself, who you are behind all the letters on the end of your name and the doctor status. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So it's funny that you say yourself, you know, you've kind of always wondered why people do what they do, right? And that's kind of how I got into this field. So just to make a long story short, you know, ever since I was kind of a young girl, I always found myself just very curious and kind of wondering, um, always in the corner of the room, room, kind of observing other people and kind of asking myself, like, why does this person do what they do? Or, you know, why did this happen? And so it's always been kind of a long-term passion of mine since I was a young kid. Um, I never knew that it was called mental health counselor. I wasn't sure what psychology was, you know, but as I've kind of grown um, throughout life and education, I was able to pinpoint exactly kind of how I could best understand this and then best serve people at the same time. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I got where I am now. Interesting. Interesting. And just before we dive into the main part of this show, have you personally experienced anything in terms of mental illness or ill mental health yourself? I get that question a lot in podcasts. Um, you know, I think anxiety has probably been a bigger one for me personally, um, just throughout different stages of life, you know, 
I think everyone has some some anxiety to an extent. There's obviously a broad spectrum where, you know, people have kind of that more minor anxiety and then there's that really kind of crippling day-to-day anxiety. I think that I've throughout life fallen somewhere, somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, even most recently when I opened, as you mentioned, Pillar Mind and Behavior, it's my psychotherapy practice. There's a lot of different barriers to cross there. Um, there's a lot of putting myself out there, um, networking, you know, just having that confidence to set up a business and see clients. And so, you know, that's when I find some of that anxiety will kind of face me in the mirror. So, you know, just kind of throughout life at different times, I've noticed that I'm really grateful for a lot of the techniques and the studying that I've done because I am able to use, you know, these things throughout my own life, you know, and my own anxiety. So that's been helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you just made a really good point there in relation to having to put yourself out there yourself. And that's kind of where you started to feel a little bit of anxiety. And I think, especially in today's society where everything is online and everyone's painting this beautiful picture of how perfect their life is or how wonderful things are going for them, that it almost puts people in a kind of crippling anxiety place as well. And I say that from a perspective of even my own wife who has just recently started a business. And I was trying to explain that There are some benefits behind social media, for example, in terms of being the face behind the brand and putting yourself Mm -hmm. out there. But I can't explain how I, I feel I feel so bad for her that how much anxiety she has around just doing that in terms of putting herself out there, the imposter syndrome the feedback, Mm -hmm. the expectations. And there is a lot of that, which I think is going to relate to so many people out there. And I'll be completely honest. I can sit here now after 116 episodes and say, podcasting doesn't really scare me how it used to, but I honestly used to be crippled by the fact that somebody's going to be hearing my voice and this could be anywhere across the world. And I might say something (laughs) stupid or I might mess up my words like I did in this introduction. But again, what I started to realize is just by being completely transparent and open with that at the same token, a lot of people find strength in that. And then they realize that you haven't got to be perfect in this world. That almost is kind of a narrative almost painted in us from a young age. It was always about passing and it was always about excelling in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So I think that was just a really um, useful point and something that hopefully people can resonate with. But then you also mentioned the benefit of techniques. And I, and I love that because One thing I want to do is I don't want this podcast just to be me talking for the sake of talking or just having people on and having a lovely chat. As much as I absolutely love speaking to people Mm -hmm. and meeting amazing people like yourself, I want the listener to at least leave the episode with at least one thing that maybe they can implement or they can recommend to friends or family who may just be having a difficult time. Now, I know you deal with, you treat children, adolescents, young adults, and you specialize in anxiety disorders trauma and also OCD as well which is which is a lot and that's probably more than we can cover maybe in this episode but could you tell us some techniques and if I just put you on the spot a little bit for maybe just anxious people because anxiety Mm -hmm. is kind of what I'm known for it's Mm -hmm. been my shadow predominantly most of my life and a lot of people who reach out to me uh, via this podcast they suffer with anxiety and probably could relate to a lot more so over to you if we can please Yeah, absolutely. So anxiety is kind of this word that, you know, sometimes gets thrown a lot around, you know, around a lot in our society. And sometimes it's not always used properly. So in clinical terms, the kind of clients that I see, there's such a wide range of anxiety disorders, which sometimes a lot of people would be surprised to know. Um, So, you know, we have this generalized anxiety disorder, which is kind of like this day-to-day worry 
um, an apprehension about any kind of future situation. Um, and then we have social anxiety, right? Which we see often, most often in, in adolescents and young adults. Um, and that's kind of this anxiety that comes up specifically in social situations. So kind of that self-presentation. So how am I appearing to this person? Um, is this person judging me? Um, very self-focused. And then we also have anxiety disorders such as panic disorder, right? So that has to do with frequent panic attacks um, and worry that these panic attacks are going to kind of come about in certain situations. We also have something called selective mutism, which is an anxiety disorder. And this is predominantly for younger children. So, you know, this is actually an inability to speak in certain social situations. Um, You know, so I think I covered a wide range of them, but there's Oh, we also have, I'm sorry, separation anxiety disorder. And, you know, that's that's another one that predominantly is within children. Um, just being really nervous to kind of separate from a caregiver, having very anxious kind of negative thoughts. And oftentimes, you know, in any of these kind of disorders, or even if it's not a disorder, even if we just have kind of, we're kind of more anxious day to day, um, we generally have more negative and kind of... Uh, not so rational thought processes. So research has really found that. And so we often will blow, you know, these tasks up into mountains that are really kind of molehills. But in our mind, it's like, wow, you know, how am I going to do this? Or what if this happens? Or it's going to end this way, you know? So there's a lot of different what we call cognitive distortions. And it kind of points out and highlights how our thoughts are really distorted when we're anxious or we're depressed. And a lot of therapy kind of helps to clear up some of those thoughts and kind of rework those. Um, I like that you mentioned, you know, your wife um, with this anxiety of kind of showing herself, right, and starting her new business. I could very much relate to that. And I think it's very relatable to a lot of people. And I love how you then kind of connected it with your own work and how you said, you know, the more that you've done, your anxiety has kind of gone down. You kind of gotten used to this a bit. And that makes so much sense. Um, Sometimes in therapy, what we do is it's called exposure therapy. And it's essentially what you just said. We're kind of exposing this individual to this feared situation repeatedly, you know, in a gradual way, but repeatedly. So their brain can actually learn a new way of being a new way of learning. They can, it can learn. I'm safe. I'm okay. You know, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was. So exposure therapy is really helpful um, when it comes to anxiety. So, you know, I could go on and on about this all day. There's so many different ways and different tips and techniques, um, that we can kind of dive into for anxiety. I am specifically a cognitive behavioral therapist. So you mentioned that in the beginning, kind of a handful. And really what that is, is it's a therapy that talks about how our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors are interconnected. So that kind of therapy really looks at our thoughts being the origin of everything, right? It's how we think about a situation or how we perceive a situation or ourselves or the world or others that directly impacts our feelings and then our behaviors, right? So, you know, I could give you a very, very simple, um, example, which is kind of like the go-to example, which is when I first learned this, let's say that, you know, my friend did not call me back when I called them for, for plans. Right. And so my first thought is, oh man, he must really hate me. You know, I must, 
just not be a fun person, you know, and that's going to directly impact my feelings. I'm going to feel insecure. I might feel really down and saddened and that's going to affect my behavior. I may be more avoidant and not call him again. I might kind of withdraw and say to myself that day. And it creates this kind of perpetual cycle that keeps us stuck in this loop. Um, so we'll see that a lot in anxiety. We'll see that a lot in depression. And so the whole idea in therapy is really working with those kind of thoughts and identifying how are these distorted in some way? You know, am I having blindfolds on in some way that my anxiety is making the seem one way when it's really the other way, or, you know, maybe there's a more realistic way of viewing this and there's other possibilities as to why my friend did not call me back. That's going to change the whole loop following that. That's going to change my feelings. That's going to change my behavior. And so we really kind of take some time in CBT to work with that loop. Um, you know, there's other, there's other things we kind of look at once you go a little bit deeper, such as what we call a core belief. Um, we all have belief systems, right? And so we develop them mostly from a young age, um, from experiences, maybe from, you know, something we're told from parents or friends or kind of our immediate surroundings. And we develop these beliefs about ourselves. And what happens is they can become very ingrained, whether they're negative or positive. And we, what we don't realize we're doing throughout life is we're finding evidence to fill this belief. So let's say that I grew up and for some reason throughout some of my experiences and how I was talked to, I developed, developed this belief that I was a failure, um, you know, whether it was right or wrong. And most of the times these are inaccurate, right? And so I go through life and every time I don't do well on a test or every time I you know, lose that volleyball game. Um, I'm going to take that evidence and fill that kind of box I created for myself and say, oh, that's because I'm a failure. And this is more evidence that I'm just a failure. So what we want to do in, in therapy is have individuals kind of retrain their brain to look for the evidence that you're not a failure, right? Look for that other evidence that's out there that we're just so used to neglecting. Um, you know, so these are kind of some of the deeper kind of core uh, tenets of CBT. And they're just kind of things to kind of think about. And I'll let you jump in here if you have any thoughts about that, because I don't want to monopolize the conversation. <laughs> no, listen, that's the reason I brought you on. I'd rather hear more from yourself. And I'm sure the listeners would than myself, because everything you just said there, I was writing some notes, actually. I've almost wrote a book myself because I found it really, <laughs> really useful in terms of initially if I just go right back to when you started you were speaking about the types of anxiety let me get my words out the types of anxiety and yes. that it's not always used properly because sometimes I I look at people and again I'm not trying to make a judgment but I think the word has almost just become a bit like depression when somebody's had a bad day they instantly just label that as a depression and I'm saying that there's a lot more that actually goes into it before you kind of self-diagnose yourself with depression and I think anxiety right. is kind of people just mixing that just with general day-to-day -day stresses or worries. But I like how you've just kind of separated it into different areas, such as the social anxiety, such as panic attack, separation anxiety, selective mutism. Now, all of these things I've been, I should, I'm not sure if fortunate is the right word, but I've been exposed to it. And I've been exposed to it because my parents uh, fostered children from quite a young age. So um, for, for about nine, 10 years now, I've been part of a family that fosters children. And a lot of the children have had some trauma in their lives or they've 
displayed signs of selective mutism or separation anxiety. So this is where I really started to understand a little bit about CBT because all three of my siblings went through cognitive behavioral therapy. And now it makes sense just in the little bit that I've just spoken to you about in terms of them having to almost understand their thoughts, feelings and behaviors. So I think that was really, really useful. So thank you so much for sharing that. And then another thing which I think many of us are guilty of is the cognitive distortions that you mentioned as well. Yes. And, and it's just crazy because I wish there was just a simple answer for it. Again, I'm not sure if it's linked exactly, but I'm assuming it's linked to our beliefs as well because our belief system is so, so powerful. And I recently read a book called Outwit and the Devil. I think it's by Napoleon Hill. It was actually banned back in the day. Now, it's not entirely around this, but what he does speak about is the importance of just having an open mind and almost questioning everything that we've been told, whether it's from our pastors, whether it's from our parents, our teachers or our siblings growing up, because just as you rightly says, we then start to grow up in life and almost try and feel evidence or find evidence. And sometimes it's not even true to kind of almost make that belief. What's the word I'm looking for? This is what happens to me, Kayla, on these episodes. <laughs> I end up going off on a complete tangent, but almost kind of reaffirm that belief. Sorry, I'm, I'm yes. back. I'm back. Yes, exactly. And then finally, um, before I keep messing my words up, is exposure therapy. So one of the things that I, I suppose I get a lot of feedback from is because I do a YouTube channel, because I do podcasting, people assume that my shyness or my introverted natural nature or my anxiety doesn't exist because I'm constantly pushing the envelope and the boundaries and I and, and as you've just rightly heard now just in the short interview I, you know I, I completely make mistakes but one thing I will always do is I will always when when I'm set with a fight flight or fright uh, freeze kind of moment I always try and fight it and I always try and put myself in difficult situations because I I kind of get a kick out of the growth from that because mm -hmm. I know every every single time I'm growing so I've put myself in organizations like Toastmasters I'm not sure if you're aware of that and it was probably the scariest thing I've ever done. And you're standing there. I don't know the right words. I can't improvise. I'm not naturally funny. And I'm I'm being asked to deliver a speech in front of 20 strangers. And I've absolutely oh, wow. froze. And I remember yeah. the first three times I was, I'm not, I'm not a sweaty person. So this probably is a bit of a random part of the podcast, but I can work out seven days a week and come back looking pretty fresh. Whereas I was drenched in just like sweat and my 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 hands were shaking when I sat down I was extremely like I can't explain the mood it was it was really weird I almost felt embarrassed like I just wanted to kind of hide away in a shell and that happened about three or four times and then I, I had some advice from somebody and, and they explained that the importance of giving speeches for example is it's about the listener it's about the audience and it's not necessarily about yourself i.e the social anxiety of how am I being perceived in this particular moment and instantly things started to change I then started to perform speeches and I got really good feedback and I started to win awards off the back of it, which was uh, which is quite crazy just to think back wow. now in hindsight. But the reason I wanted to touch on that is because I'm not sure if I've shared that story, but also just to give somebody maybe listening to this who hears me on a mic or hears yourself on a mic and thinks, well, it's okay for you guys because you either have the techniques or you have the confidence. I promise you I don't. And I'm sure yes. you probably come across so, so many people who don't as well. Yes. No, I can myself absolutely relate to that. I think that's so awesome to share, but to show that we're all human, right? We all have these absolutely. kind of insecurities and vulnerabilities. And I think that's so awesome that you kind of put yourself in these situations for the growth because that, that absolutely aligns with this exposure kind of therapy. And I think you got the best advice when, you know, someone had told you it's about the audience in social anxiety. That's really the crux of it. We focus 
focus on how we can be less self-focused, right? We're so self-focused. Um, we're in our own head. What is this person thinking? What can I say? Can I plan my response before they finish talk, you know, talking? We're, we're always kind of thinking ahead and that can be so, you know, interfering and debilitating in our mindset. And so absolutely that's, that's really the best advice is, is realizing we can turn that switch off and focus on the other person or focus on the audience in your case and focus on, you know, them just sitting there and how to make this good for them. Right. Instead of just being so inside our own head. And that's really awesome to hear that was such a big adaptive shift for you and how you kind of move forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's, again, you probably notice now it's the title of the podcast called find your voice so it's almost a bit of a selfish pursuit as well in terms of me finding my own voice but then oh, at the wow. same time i thought if i can get other people to share their stories of adversity or going through what they're going through and then also kind of use it as a as a double meaning i find your way in life because i believe that it's only when we really find our voice without using the sounding like a cliche is that we really start to get fulfillment and purpose in our lives and it's through me openly exposing myself that I've kind of found that as well I mean mental health if I'm being completely honest I wish I didn't have to speak about it or advocate for it on a daily basis mm -hmm. I wish it never existed but this, the sad case is is it seems to only I think it's only going to increase if I'm being completely honest we've had more suicides especially across males as well I'm noticing more so in terms of communities as well so certain ethnic minorities that there's a higher um, rate of suicide as well so it's it's quite a sad thing but then at the same time I feel that I have a platform here now and this is why I'm so grateful to have people like yourself on here because I'm hopeful that at the end of this show people will reach out to you if that's obviously okay with yourself as well and of I definitely want to try and get rid of that stigma of therapy as well especially for the men if the men are listening to this particular episode because therapy is almost kind of a taboo if that makes sense especially in like the Asian kind of communities as well and it's something that I'm eagerly looking for myself so actually just before we had the lockdown I was happy to kind of just put myself out there again again I'm almost kind of like a guinea pig and I'll and I'll do that for the audience and and for myself as well in terms of I just want to be better I just want to ease this anxiety I just want to live a life with less stress with less overwhelm and overthinking and all of these things and I just know the benefits from it because my siblings have been through it and they've had attachment disorders and um, my younger sister Kelsey she went through um, psychoanalysis and stuff as well and I've seen mm -hmm. how much of a transformation that it's had on their lives so I'd strongly urge anyone at the very least just to kind of research a little bit about cognitive behavioral therapy obviously reach out to yourself as well because I think your advice this episode won't do it justice in terms of we can't sit here for 10 hours as much as I'd love to do that and obviously pick everything out from yourself Mm -hmm. But one thing I would like to ask you, and again, there might not be an answer for this, so please do tell me if that's the case, is without therapy, if there's something that maybe or some habits perhaps that some people can use on a daily basis, are there things that you would just recommend as a kind of starting block just to maybe help someone? Because one thing I recognize is when you're at the bottom of the pit and you're in a dark place, it's just very, very difficult just taking that first step. So could you recommend something maybe just to get somebody kick started or just some yes. things, please? Yeah, absolutely. So just to just to start briefly, so anxiety, when we kind of define it, because that can be confusing for people, um, it's really this, we have this ability to overestimate a threat, right? And then we underestimate our ability to cope with it. And that's how anxiety kind of brews. Um, and so 
Oftentimes with anxiety, I'll just kind of start with a client and, and give them the little, this little tool that sounds really simple, but in that moment when you're kind of feeling anxious and usually it's more future oriented, right? So you're worried about something in the future. Are you safe right now? How can you ground yourself kind of to the present moment? Um, a lot of the times when we're anxious, like I said, our mind, and sometimes it's in the past too. Um, it could be in the past or it can be in the future, but it's not just in the present. It's not where you are now. And that's kind of the problem. Our mind is jumping all over the place and it's creating a lot of these what ifs, you know, that can kind of get our physiological symptoms going. We can start sweating, our heart rate start going. And we want to kind of ground ourselves. Um, we call them grounding techniques techniques where we want to kind of assess, am I safe in the moment? Um, can I do some breathing techniques just to take my mind away from the future, away from the past and just put me in the now. So there's a simple breathing technique. I'll just, you know, give listeners, it's called four, seven, eight breathing. And so you really want to breathe in deep from your diaphragm. So I have a trick where I put my hand kind of over my chest and my hand on my stomach. And I kind of test out when I'm breathing in and out, where is moving more? And so oftentimes when we're breathing from our chest, um, that's kind of associated with that panic breathing. Um, when we're kind of panicky and going like, <sighs> we feel our chest kind of raising up and down. So in those moments, we want to redirect our breathing coming from our diaphragm, which is our stomach region. And we want to make sure that that's rising up and down, up and down. And we breathe in slow through our nose and out through our mouth. And it's called four, seven, eight breathing because we do a count of four in through our nose. We go one, two, three, four. Then we hold our breath for seven seconds. And then we breathe out through our mouth, kind of like you're, you're blowing on like a hot chocolate or blowing out a candle slowly uh, for eight seconds. And that's a way also that research has really shown that just calms down our nervous system, um, takes us back to the present moment and takes us kind of out of the future or the past. So that's something that is very useful for just those moments kind of, of panic anxiety um, and just kind of not sure what to do just to kind of ground you to the present moment. Um, also a big one is just restructuring our thoughts. So a lot of the times, cause we talked about some cognitive distortions, which we all have, by the way, I'm glad that you mentioned that oftentimes they're just kind of seen more distorted or there's more of them within an anxious individual. Right. Um, so we'll take our thoughts and we'll kind of look at them. Let's say that, you know, I'm worried. What if uh, everyone laughs at me at this presentation I'm going to give in school or at work? And that's kind of my my anxious thought. And so what we would do is we would kind of examine that thought. I like to have individuals play detective, right? So what's the evidence that that would happen? What's the evidence that that wouldn't happen, right? And oftentimes that's a really good way to lay out that thought on the line and kind of dissect it and see that usually there's more evidence against that that might happen. Or even so, there's more evidence against that I can handle this, right? So if we go back to that definition of overestimation of threat, underestimation of my ability to cope with it, even if that worst case scenario did happen, right? So I'll often go to, well, what is the worst case scenario? How can you work on that bottom half of the equation? Well, 
can I cope with this? And how can you identify things that you can do to cope with this, right? So kind of always going back to that equation and kind of working with both ends of that, if that makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. That is that is so, so useful. So especially the breathing technique thing as well. I was trying to do it while not losing track of where we are in the podcast, but I think that is so useful just for identifying the type of breathing and what we're actually experiencing on a physiological level. But in terms of restructuring your thoughts and you mentioned the evidence against it, I think that is so powerful. And it's something that I've been mentioning for a long time. So I read a book by Dale Carnegie and it's called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And mm -hmm. in there, he uses that same analogy of what's the worst that could happen. And whenever right. ever something goes wrong now and I struggle with overwhelm or my energy is quite high, like I feel it today. I feel like my energy levels are quite high. I can hear it in my own voices and even as, as I'm speaking to you. And when things go wrong now, I literally have like a journal book. So I've got books scattered around my house and I have to kind of just write the worst things. And I almost try and start with something so morbid and something like literally 0.001% chance of happening. For example, I could die or something right. could happen to my uh, friends and family. And then from there, I just start to bring it down. And then, you know, the worst case scenario it normally is I've wasted a few hours or it's cost me a certain amount of money. And then when I realize that I'm in a very, very fortunate position to either have that time and allocate it towards that problem, i.e. trying to solve, solve it via a solution, or I have the finances to kind of deal with that problem, instantly then that initial panic and that overestimating example that you used, which I thought was fantastic, starts to make sense. And then you kind of under, mm -hmm. and you know how you underestimate that you can't do it. So it's a definitely right. a technique that I use. Um, it's a fantastic book if anyone does struggle with anxiety because it's just short stories. And in each story, there's kind of like a little technique or a little tip. And I think you've just explained that so, so great. So if you're committed to not only enhancing your mental health, but also your physical well-being too, then you need to check out our new sponsors, Health Excel. Providing you the best superfood blends on the market in their non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and of course, organic formulas, they bring you superfoods like no others you have seen on the market. They also don't just stop there, as they provide you free consistent information to educate and empower you on your overall health and well-being journey. So don't just stop at the end of a Find Your Voice episode. Get yourself some Excel blends and put the odds in your flavor. Once it goes live, there will also be a unique discount for anyone who comes from the Find Your Voice podcast, as you guys are now part of my family, and I only want to see you thrive even more. So check out the links in the description below and get notified as soon as they go live. Back to the episode. Yeah, there's, and <laughs> no, this is so awesome that, that you kind of do your own research and can really relate and, and use these tools on your own and that they've been effective. And I think that that's important for listeners to know too. It's not that everything will work for everyone, right? It's kind of finding what works for you. And so Absolutely. just, you know, if we have time, I can just name a couple more just to kind of put Please some do. other ideas Please out do. there. Sure. Yeah. So I, as you were talking, I was thinking of this other one that I've really um, been kind of reading more about as well. And so there's something also called acceptance, acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, it's referred to ACT and it's kind of a sub therapy of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kind of like a, an umbrella of therapies and other ones kind of started branching out from that. And ACT is really this idea that, you know, it helps you kind of accept things as they are instead of kind of fighting them and getting stuck. Sometimes when we fight our anxiety and we kind of view it as the enemy, right? Um, it kind of grows. Um, it'll kind of stick around more and kind of try to fight back with us in some ways. And so act 
is used with many kind of different um, clinical presentations. But with anxiety, it's this idea of kind of just noticing that the anxiety is popping up for the day. Like you had mentioned, you're feeling this anxious energy. But also kind of saying, it's okay that you're here. You know, I'm noticing that you're here in my head today. And that's okay. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to let you sit here and kind of go about my day. Um, And that sounds a lot easier said than done, but a lot of people will start noticing differences in from really trying to fight it. And that leads to kind of agonizing over it and kind of keeping you stuck in this moment. So just, you know, naming it as an emotion, acknowledging that it's there, kind of saying, I'll let you sit here, but kind of going about your day while it is sitting there. And then, you know, realizing the tasks you're doing throughout your day will likely kind of minimize that. It'll kind of chip away as you go. And so I think that that's been really something helpful. Um, you know, just another way to kind of think about anxiety, because a lot of the times our first thought is I need it to go away right away. You know, what can I do to push this away? And we'll try to do everything we can to even maybe avoid some things that might make us feel better in the moment, kind of like a temporary bandaid and that anxiety will come kind of shooting back. Um, so just developing a different relationship to your anxiety is also really effective and kind of, not viewing it as that enemy, um, so to speak. You know, we have to remember that sometimes anxiety can be good, um, you know, when it's not that crippling anxiety. Minimal amounts of anxiety actually is what gets us up in the morning. You know, it's it's what gets us getting on the podcast, for example, yeah, right? Absolutely. It's kind of what gets, instead of avoiding it, it's what gets us kind of going. And so if we can kind of learn to change our relationship to that really kind of sickening feeling of anxiety when it gets to that kind of, you know, overwhelming point. Um, it's, it's just kind of a nice way to kind of reframe and sit with it as opposed to fighting with it. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those, those finger traps. I'm not sure what they're called. It's kind of like when you put your fingers in each side and you kind of try to pull out your fingers really quick, it'll get you stuck. And so that's kind of an analogy I use with clients. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but you put you, it's kind of like a fidget toy. And so if you pull your fingers out really quick, your fingers actually get stuck. You can't get your fingers out of this contraption. And so that's kind of how anxiety is. If you're kind of always fighting with it and you're kind of too quickly trying to push it away, you know, you might get stuck and you might get stuck in a, in a cycle of anxious thoughts. Right. But if you kind of, this contraption works where if you put your fingers closer together, so you're kind of leaning into the anxiety, right. You're acknowledging that it's there. Um, maybe you're trying to reframe some of your thoughts. Um, then it kind of loosens up and your fingers can go free. So that's kind of the analogy that I talk about, um, with anxiety specifically. Yeah. And act. And I think that's, that's really awesome. And then one more kind of short thing that came to mind was the, the words possible and probable. So, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about this and sometimes in certain situations of anxiety, I'll say, you know, is that outcome possible? Maybe, but how probable is it? Right. And so that kind of, yeah, that kind of reframes us um, and kind of grounds us in, in some way, like what you had said, well, it's probably a 0.0001% chance that that's, that that's going to happen. Right. Um, so kind of looking at possible versus probable, I think those are really important words to distinguish because our anxious mind is going to view possible as probable. It's going to view it as the same thing. This is going to happen. Right. 
and I'm kind of screwed here. Um, so just kind of distinguishing between those words is also very helpful. Thank you so much for that. And I felt almost, as you said, the acceptance, commitment and therapy, i.e. the act, it was it was almost yes. kind of I needed to hear that today. So one of the things I will always be transparent about is sometimes before I have a podcast going live, I don't know what it is, but the, the day is fine. But then about 30 minutes before or an hour before I start to get anxious again, even though I know I'm the host of the show and technically I can pause as many times as I want. I can edit it. I right. can, you know, I can change it. So it looks like I've just flown through the episode in, a, in an absolute breeze. I was kind of feeling that today. And I've been having it all today and you can probably notice it in, in my episode because this is going to be one of the episodes I'm going to have to edit a lot more than normal. Just that acceptance side, I think it's really important because when I noticed it when I was doing the introduction with the long words, I started to beat myself up and I was getting really kind of worked up and agitated even while we're having this conversation. And I was thinking, okay, you need to fix up. But the problem with that I find is as much as I have these techniques and stuff, is I kind of get myself down when I can't control it. And I think just hearing that mm -hmm. acting now, it's almost been kind of like a reassurance for me that some days you just can't control it. And some days you just kind of have to just flow with the punches and just kind of just get through that day. And I feel like that's happened today for myself. And I'll give a very, very quick example is one of the scariest exposure things that I, I tried to do was I did a Find Your Voice live. Now, it, it was not as bad as this mm. episode is right <laughs> now in terms of how I'm performing, but... My first episode of Find Your Voice Live, I think I had the right amount of anxiety where I prepared just enough for it. I didn't kind of overwhelm myself and I had almost kind of like an exciting feeling towards it as well. And it went absolutely incredible. I then did the second one a month later. And again, fantastic in terms of I felt like my voice wasn't shaking. I felt really calm in terms of I was articulating everything I wanted to say. And then the third one, because I'd kind of almost got comfortable with it, I sat down and instantly, as soon as I started, I could feel that shaking again, a little bit like the start of this episode. And I remember as I finished it, I went into the living room and the wife says, you were feeling it today, wasn't you? Because I think she could notice it straight away from myself. And I was like, yeah. And, I, and, I, and again, I started to beat myself up about it. So cut a long story short, it's to let people know that sometimes you can have all the right stuff in place, but you might still have that element of anxiety. And I've probably shown that a lot now in this episode, but just using that act, I think it's really, really important because so many times I want it to go away and it just doesn't. Yeah, I and what's so funny I have to comment is I hear you saying, you know, comments like, oh, this episode is probably not my best, you know. And from my from my side of the thing, I don't notice that as much. You know, I don't hear the voice shaking. I don't I think that it's so great. Like I, I you know, from my end, I'm it's viewed in such a different light. So it's interesting to show too, kind of like how we are so hard on ourselves, right? and how we can kind of criticize ourselves. Um, I had an example of that in my, in my doctorate program with a colleague, you know, we both got up to do separate presentations. And at the end of the presentation, we each said to each other, oh my gosh, I did so terrible. You know, like I, I tripped over my words. I did so bad. And it was so interesting because I remember looking at her during her presentation and being like, wow, she's doing amazing. You know, this is so great. This is so informative. And so it's so interesting to kind of think about how we are so hard on ourselves and the things that we kind of pick apart where others might see us in a totally different light. And so that's something also to keep in mind. Um, I think that there's this human need for certainty. 
Um, you know, we need to be certain that we did a great job on this podcast. You know, even me, you know, messaging you and I'll tell viewers, I messaged you a couple times before this podcast asking you, you know, is there a structure to this? You know, is there certain questions? And that was probably my own anxiety, right? I need certainty that this will go well and that there's questions I can answer for these, for these listeners. And so I think a lot of the times in therapy too, we have to learn how to best sit with uncertainty, right? Um, it's a part of life and, you know, not trying to always fight that and find that, but learning to just be okay with that. And so that's kind of a big thing that I wanted to just touch upon too. No, thank you for sharing that. And I think there was a quote that the only thing certain in life is uncertainty. Yes, And yes. when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, that's so true. But again, it's one of those things when you have a clear mind, you can think of all the stuff to do. And, that, and that's why I think what everything that you've said today has been really, really useful because there's so many different things such as, the act thing that you mentioned or the four, seven, eight breathing or finding the evidence or looking at our beliefs that I'm just hopeful that people can almost put that in the back of their mind, let it digest, let it sit there. So that one day when they are maybe having a panic attack or they're experiencing a heightened level of anxiety that they can just draw on one of those. Um, yeah. and I think the more toolkits that we have, then obviously that the, the better, but yeah, thank you for obviously saying that because it's strange, isn't it? How we are our own worst critics. And I'm yes. so much kinder to the people around me than I am to myself a lot of the time. And I, and I suppose I kind of recognize that, but again, it's just my own expectations of, I know what it's like when I feel like, okay, I was on fire that day <laughs> as opposed to right. another day. And I think my, my uncertainty and anxiety around that is because I'm so, so grateful for you taking time out of your day to help this show become what it is just as I am with all my guests. And I feel like I need to be the best Aaron that I can possibly be on the show. So again, I think it's just me overthinking things. Um, and I was actually, I wrote a note here. So two pages back when you're speaking, I was like, I need to apologize at the end of this episode because I, I feel like it was a car crash. And I remember as, a, as you were just saying your last few words there, one of the guests that I had previously, a guy called Nick, he does um, hypnotherapy and I think he does some CBT as well. And he, mm -hmm. and at the end of his, I had, I had the same kind of funk. I was, in and out of the episode I was shaking I was having to calm myself down and we kind of stopped the episode um halfway through and he just says he's a friend of mine so he's like Aaron stop apologizing um and obviously he's he's a friend so I didn't necessarily need to apologize and he's like I have this over tendency to kind of apologize for if I if I don't feel things are 100% perfect and he says firstly nobody notices similar to what you've just said earlier and he says secondly if somebody tunes in for example in an episode where all we are trying to do is obviously try and help them move forward in their life and they find that you slipped up on a few words and then they turn off because of that that's not actually the audience that you want to be attracting anyway and mm -hmm. I think when he said that it, it made a lot of sense but again it's about remembering all this stuff like I feel like my head has all the answers it's just about knowing when to pull them out if that makes sense yeah yeah that makes that makes so much sense I just think what you said like you can cross out that note to apologize at the end of the episode <laughs> absolutely for sure. thank you <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and just like we're all human right so you know, things come up, you know, they might not go the way we plan, or they might be kind of magnified in our mind and have, have been fine. Right. But just kind of giving ourselves compassion and grace, um, when we feel we didn't do our best, you know, maybe that's not how it was in the eyes of others. Like your friend had said, you know, or, or going back to your other example with the audience, right. It's about the audience. And so people aren't going to, get upset if there was, you know, a fumble on a word or something like that. And, and I even sitting here, I can tell you, you know, there's things that I was explaining with CBT and I'm like, wow, that wasn't the best way I explained it, but you know, they got the gist. And so 
you know, just kind of being forgiving to ourselves just throughout this journey we call life is so important. You know, that's what I've kind of learned along the yeah, way. 100%. I, I love that. And so what I want to do then is because I'm actually fascinated by the vast amount of experience that you have. And I understand that obviously in a short episode, it's very difficult to kind of delve into certain parts. So I want to know a little bit about how the audience can connect with you. Now, obviously, I've done a little bit of research prior to this. I've been on your website and stuff, and I know you've done a lot of stuff in terms of uh, treatment approaches. So you've got, I think, your CBT on there. You had EMDR on there as well, I believe. There was a mm -hmm. few others as well on there. I have you got like a YouTube or a blog or anything, or is everything that you do kind of on a, on a one-to-one -one basis? Um, wow. I should do something like that. I don't have, so I really think you should, honestly, <laughs> I, I just think, I, I think you should have a podcast by the way. And I do tell a lot of my guests, just put your voice out there because if somebody can listen to me, they can 100% listen to yourself. I think you explain stuff in just a very relatable manner as well with the examples and stuff, but not to give you any more work because I'm sure you're probably very, very busy, but <laughs> I'm just wondering how the audience can connect with you because I know you're on the other side of the world as well. Yeah. Yeah. So right now what I, the, the best way to connect. So I have an Instagram page. Um, it's called pillar P I L L A R mind and behavior. Um, and so I just post kind of throughout the week, some of my thoughts or I get inspired by, you know, things that'll, you know, happen through my day-to-day -day conversations and just kind of share insights there. Um, I'm hoping to kind of put some more efforts into that to kind of ramp that up a bit. I, I like that space where, you know, there's kind of a visual to it and people can save little notes and people can comment and kind of like join the mental health conversation. Um, I also, you know, if you want to connect, you can always shoot me an email. My email is Kayla, K-A-Y-L-A at Pillar Mind and Behavior. And then of course, you know, if anyone's listening that is in, happens to be in the Miami, Florida area, that's where my psychotherapy practice is. I'm also right now during kind of COVID and, and everything that's going on in the world, also licensed in New York. So I'm seeing patients based out of New York that want to connect um, via video chat, which is kind of primarily what I'm doing these days. So um, that's kind of it. There's no other platforms that I'm using right now. I'm just kind of trying to connect with a lot of different podcast hosts like yourself. I think it's so important to just get some information out there for people. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll let you know if anything else comes about. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for all the work that you are doing out there. And also a shout out to the listeners in USA. So funnily enough, we have probably around 50% of our listeners are from the United States as well and Canada. So hopefully awesome. there's some people there that can obviously reach out to yourself as well. And then, yeah, obviously all the stuff that you just mentioned in terms of your email, your website, the Instagram, I definitely will put that in the show notes. So I do urge people obviously to get looking into that and you know nowadays we can just do stuff via zoom so we can have calls for example i know you do i think 45 or 60 minute calls as well so if somebody's really interested in getting some therapy from an expert in a field then definitely reach out to uh, dr kayla as well thank you so much you're very welcome so if you're ready we're going to jump straight into the fun part of the show which is just 60 seconds of the most random questions that i have in front of me and just to get <laughs> to know you a little bit better okay great i'm ready let's do it so we're going to go in three two one okay what is your favorite book? Oh, oh my gosh. That's, oh, can I come back to that? That's a hard <laughs> Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Okay. What are you secretly good at that nobody knows? I am secretly good at cooking. Okay. What's your favorite dish? Uh, vegetable stir fry. Are you a vegetarian? 
that's, that's also a debatable question. Sometimes okay. it's, it's strange. Uh, yeah. The ability to read minds or predict the future. Um, the ability to read minds. Who is your biggest role model? My biggest role model are my parents. What would you like to be remembered for? Um, kindness. What's your biggest goal this year? Biggest goal is reaching as many people as I can that are in need of some type of mental help. Your favorite color? Purple. If you could sit with one person in the world for one hour, who would it be? Ooh, um, probably one of my grandfathers who passed away who I didn't really get to know. If you could relive one day again, what day would that be? That would be, ooh, these are such hard questions. <laughs> um, that would be one day again. Um, actually, quite recently when I have a lot of siblings and everyone was kind of together. So love that. Love that. I love that. The ability to fly or be invisible? Um, the ability to fly. Okay. The number one thing that annoys you? Mm. Oh, um, maybe when I'm trying to pay attention to something and there's noise in the background. Okay. And finally, back to the first question then. What is your favorite book? My favorite book would be Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, I also have clinical books that I love, um, just about anxiety and depression and some of the things that we're talking about. Um, are there any books that maybe somebody without any sort of scientific knowledge or anything that could just pick up and maybe understand anxiety about themselves a little bit better that you could recommend? Um, yes, there's so many that they're kind of running through my mind. I mean, you know, what's really nice too, is there's workbooks and it kind of sounds, um, like extra work, but there's anxiety workbooks that you could kind of get on Amazon and it helps go through some of these techniques where you can kind of work through some of these thoughts at a, you know, a, a certain pace that works for you. Um, I can send some of those titles to you at the end of this. Yeah. I'm just trying to think off the top of my mind. I know I'm not, I'm not good at kind of bringing them forth. I'm, there's so many, so I'm, I'm happy to send them to you. Absolutely. That'd be great. So what I will do is if you get a chance, obviously to do that, I'll put everything in the show notes. So if anyone's listening and you're wondering what these workbooks are, they will literally be in the show notes. And sure. that's a thank you to Dr. Kayla. So that is the end of the fun part of the show. You actually did much, much better and much quicker than many of the guests. So sometimes we're sitting there and trying to get the best answer for 15, 20 seconds. And I normally <laughs> cut that out. So <laughs> you did absolutely fine. There are two more questions. And these are two questions that I always love to ask my guests. The first one is about reflection. And I'm a firm believer that hindsight is a wonderful thing. As upon reflection, we can always think of ways to get to where we are currently quicker, easier, or with less heartache. But at the same time, I truly believe the journey teaches us so, so much as well. And I suppose everything happens for a reason. So what I want to know is if you can maybe go back in time to one moment where maybe you struggled or you suffered with adversity, for example, with all the knowledge and wisdom that you have right now, and you could whisper something in your ears, what would you say? I would say to myself, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's something that is so powerful when we can kind of really acknowledge that. Um, I yeah. think going back to the, the anxiety and just situations of adversity, you're always kind of thinking, this is terrible. This is going to be the worst thing ever. You know, my, my life's going to be over, you know? And so just reminding yourself or what I would tell myself is it's going to be okay. Right. There's, there's yeah. going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. I think those are so important words. And sometimes you need to sit on those words for a bit rather than just kind of read them out. And in that moment, sometimes when we're going through adversity or we're struggling with something, we don't feel like it's okay. We almost over-exaggerate it as, as we've touched on in this episode. Right. And I suppose that's one of the things that I always try and 
get through these episodes are alongside people like yourself who bring a wealth of knowledge is people who have gone through some of the most horrific stuff in their life just so that maybe one day when somebody's having a bad day themselves they can remember that person a or person x was okay in the end and right. hopefully that, that just kind of helps them so yeah right. I, think that, I think that's a great great message and then that does sadly bring us to the last question of the show and the last question i always ask everyone is about legacy so if in 150 years time science fails to save us and all that exists is a book and this book it's about you it's about your life it's about all of the amazing things that you've done all the lives that you've touched and all the people you've helped especially in the mental health arena as well Basically, what I want to know is what would the title of this book be? And secondly, what would the summary at the back tell us about you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, the title of the book. Ooh, um, I mean, I, I would want it. I would hope to be kind of remembered this way, but maybe like something like selfless Kayla. Um, I, and I don't want to get that message out wrong. I think it's so important to be selfish at times too. Right. But, um, just kind of, so that just donates like giving and, and being there for others. I think something with that in the title would be so great because that's kind of what I strive to do and strive to be. And that doesn't exclude myself. Right. So it's ironic with that world selfless, but just also giving to yourself is so important. Um, the, the back of the book you had asked what that would say or what that would entail. Yeah. So basically the back of the book, what would it tell us about you to entice the reader to pick it up? Hmm. Um, maybe something along the lines of kind of what we had mentioned a little bit earlier um, that I'm human. You know, I, I, I have these fancy letters next to my name that really don't mean much. Um, um, they, they don't, you know, I think that we all go through certain things and I think that, you know, obviously me wanting to be here to help others, but also just recognizing that I could be in your same shoes one day and, and I have been, and I am at times, you know, and, and just kind of this message that we're really in this together. I think that that's so powerful and beautiful in the world today you know, no matter what we're facing, everyone's going through their own journeys and on their own paths. But in the end, just reminding yourself that in, in some regards, we're on this planet together, right? We're trying to problem solve or trying to figure things out together. So um, just knowing that I'm, I'm here for others and I'm giving and I'm also experiencing and going through this with you, you know? Um, Absolutely. And you, and you so are. You've given so much today. So I'm eternally grateful for that. And I'm sure the listeners are as well. Kayla, is there anything that you wish I had asked you maybe today in today's episode? I know we did things a little bit different or any kind of final messages maybe that you want to leave the audience with that I never got to touch on. Um, I, so just, I'll leave the message as I love that you did touch on stigma. Actually, I think that that's something so important and something obviously we can have another conversation about. Um, I think it's so important today. You know, I was on a previous podcast and I, I talked to them about, I think that, you know, the current generation has been really good about bringing awareness and talking about mental health, you know, and I think that's definitely improved, but I think what we're still working on is reaching out for ourselves for that. Mm. Um, and I think that there's so much to be said about that and just kind of normalizing the conversation of mental health, which is why I love podcasts like this, right. And just normalizing that it's okay to go get help. And sometimes it's needed. And I think that it's just so important men and women alike. And, 
you know, just, just keeping in mind that if anything I said today or anything Aaron said today kind of resonated with you, you know, using that as a push to go speak to someone, right? It's, it's not a bad thing. Um, I think we all need it and I think it's really healthy and it should be part of that kind of normal day-to-day check-in or sorry, week-to-week check-in or kind of just health in general. So just wanted to kind of leave off on that note. Um, you don't have to struggle, you know, you don't have to, to stay here and there's ways to kind of move past that. So I think that's really important. Absolutely. absolutely. Thank you so much for those words of wisdom. And I certainly urge every single person listening, obviously, as I have throughout this episode to please follow Dr. Kayla. I was just about to say your surname there. If you want to just tell everyone your surname, because it is, it's a beautiful <laughs> name. I just can't pronounce it too well. Oh yeah, no problem. My last name is Marmoros. So Dr. Kayla Marmoros. Um, yeah, it's it's a big name. I <laughs> totally don't blame you. And that's so funny. That's why I often just go by Dr. Kayla or Kayla for sure. You know, much Fantastic. easier. So you've heard it there from Dr. Kayla. Please do follow her. Please follow the Instagram as well. Obviously I'll put all the links as I always do in the show notes at Pillar Mind and Behavior as well. I want to thank Dr. Kayla from the other side of the world for tuning in today because I've wrote so much notes here. They're so important. And if it requires a little bit more reading or maybe a little bit more signposting or actually working directly with Dr. Kayla, please do reach out to her or reach out to myself. And obviously I can try and pinpoint whatever you need. And for everyone else at home, thank you so much for listening. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I just wanted to take a quick minute at the end to touch upon the therapy approaches that I mentioned today, if I could. I wanted listeners to know, uh, aside from CBT, I mentioned ACT. And ACT is this really branch off of CBT that kind of approaches therapeutic concerns in a little bit of a different way. And I feel that I only really touched the surface of that um, and talked to you guys about this idea of acceptance and kind of looking at ways to accept our situation while working towards our values in life. And I just want listeners to know that there's so much more to this therapy approach. It's actually set up in the form of a hexaflex is what we call it. And there's different tenets Um, attached to those that are really infused into this therapy approach. So if people wanted to learn more and kind of hear a more comprehensive overview of what ACT is and how it's used, I would encourage, um, you know, looking for relevant books on ACT or there's some workbooks on Amazon that you could order. Um, So Aaron, I'd be happy to give you those and then you can share those with listeners. And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.